you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That one act on that cross, sending all of humanity free, free from chains of bondage, and you set us free, Lord. Slavery to death and to hell, and you set us free, Lord. You broke the shackles, you broke the chains. You rewrote our history, all at Calvary. We're so thankful, we're so grateful. We, we recognize you this morning, Jesus, as the one man, the one God that came to seek and save the lost. And you did so for us. And we'll forever worship you, Jesus. Won't we, people? We'll forever worship him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We'll forget, forever give you our life, give you our worship, give you our words and our songs. There's no one but Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So good to be here with like-minded people who have had a similar experience of redemption in your life. You can take your seats. I feel like I've been away forever. Uh, it's so good to be here with you this morning. It's nice and toasty in here. It's good. Uh, did you have a good week last week? We did. Yeah? yeah. Good. Thanks, team. And uh, thank you all for memorizing your songs without the words this morning. You did very well. The joys of uh, renting a school hall. But anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we had a fantastic trip, and thank you for your thoughts and your prayers. Um, I'm going to ask Dan to come and share before I get started just a, his uh, most exciting thing that happened to him on the trip. So for those that don't know, whether you're visiting this morning, uh, Dan and myself were away for a week in Sri Lanka, which is one of our main uh, mission areas, um, and seeing a lot of the, uh, the avenues that our Beyond Dollar goes to. So Dan, why don't you come and uh, tell us what you loved about it, and uh, yeah. Yes. Well, I, we, we had a great time over there. Everything was, was great, seeing, meeting people, meeting new people, meeting the old people I met last time. But uh, I think my favourite was meeting the um, parents of the children that we sponsor. Um, we set up a, a, a time that, which allowed us to meet and greet and say hello and shake hands and and they were just so happy to see us. So as, as a church, we sp sponsor 13 children, if you don't know. Uh, we we uh, give them, uh, we, pa we pay their school fees so that they can go to school. So uh, the Buddhist community, um, a lot of the Buddhist community, those children, they get into school free, but our children, they don't pay for. So the, the pastors have to pay for that. And uh, so we end up paying for that to take the pressure off. And uh, and they were just so happy, so excited to, to to meet us, and just shaking their hand, they they wouldn't let go, and the the grin was uh, from ear to ear, and uh, there were a few tears, and and uh, just such a happy time, and um, yeah, it, I wish you guys were, were there because uh, it it break your heart, but with happiness. So yeah, it's um, quite an experience. Uh, we had plenty of photos to show you this morning, and, um, but for those that uh, hate the, uh, the slideshows from the family members that go away on holidays and you sit there and they go on for hours, we'll spare you this week. 
and uh, we'll postpone. But um, we had many photos of, of these parents and some of the children as well. So uh, um, my, my, my thing that I went there for um, was to see a rise of um, the Christian leaders in the next generation. Um, many of our churches over there um, are still being pastored by um, a generation of pastors that we met when, when we first started connecting with these churches 20-odd years ago, and they're still in, in place, which is great. A lack of uh, the next generation coming through and, and being uh, pioneers and replanting new churches and taking on uh, existing churches and things like that. So that was my agenda in going, and it didn't dawn on me until... Um, the week before we left, that as we put the word out to say who wants to come on this trip, and we got the responses, we had myself and Dan, uh, my brother Murray, and Pastor Nikki Link, who's been here a bunch of times from Canberra, and four um, guys from Western Australia, some of our apostolic churches over there. We, uh, you know, as their names came in and said, yep, count me in, even till the week before we left was the final one that said, I'm definitely coming. That's when it dawns on me that that uh, four out of the eight that were going on these trips are the pastor's kids of the pastors that started the connections 20 years ago. So being my parents, um, uh, an, a, a fellow called Matt Senanaika, his father, um, Rodney Senanaika, and Mark McHugh, uh, he's pastoring one of our churches in, in Western Australia now, his father, Phil McHugh. And, um, and it was just a... It was a you know, the light bulb went on a week before we left that uh, we were going not necessarily with a, an agenda to push, but to show that um, our Lord is multi-generational and that we need to think of the future, we need to put things in place and to show uh, that it can be done, that batons can be passed and the new generation of leaders can be raised. So it was quite an encouragement um, to them, and that message, even though it wasn't said, came across quite clearly, and uh, so it was very, very cool. The first night was a youth rally, so we landed Saturday at about uh, 2 a.m., and we travelled on a bus for an hour till we got to our stinking hot accommodation, and then we got up early the next day and prepared for a youth service that night, which they had been preparing for a long time. And uh, it was a fantastic service. It was in their mother church, so their large church that people traveled to and brought their youth groups to it. And it was a, the presence of God was so thick and strong in that meeting. And um, towards the end of that service, there was a call for any young people that want to respond to the call of God for ministry on their life and to, to put their whole self into being used by God. Um, and many kids responded to that, which was uh, awesome for us but even more so awesome for some of the pastors and leaders that were there watching this next generation of people responding to God. And so that was quite awesome. And we spent the night with the, uh, the next night with the young people on the beach just playing games. And you would have seen all this if you're on our Facebook page. If you're not on Facebook, um, so there you go. There's my slideshow for the, the morning. Towards the second half of the week, we entered into the, the second reason for being there, and that was a pastors and leaders conference. Uh, so that was a three-day conference where we all went away, stayed in a, a, um, a camp, a, a convention center type thing. I say that word, but it's not like Sydney Convention Center, if you know what I mean. Um, and we just spent three days just um, coming around the word together, and we actually looked at First Peter 
the book of 1 Peter. So we had eight sessions that we went through this book of 1 Peter, which was a letter written to the, the early church, which you, if you could call it that. I mean, they were, they were just a group of followers of Jesus who had no necessarily, had no venue like a temple like all the other religions seemed to have. They had no structure like all the other religions seemed to have. They had nothing in place, but they just believed that there was something amazing about this Savior, Jesus, who was uh, calling them to do something even though they didn't know what. And so I thought we would just have a look at one of the passages in 1 Peter. Um, we're going to turn to chapter 2 of 1 Peter. And it's a story, I think it's a five-chapter-long letter that he wrote to these group of people encouraging them and persuading them to trust in the grace of God. The message of the grace of God had never come through in all of history. Never. In any religion. So Paul, uh, sorry, Peter writes to this group of people and, and said, above all else, you need to understand that he has chosen you by his grace. Undeserved. You could not have ever done anything to expect to receive this grace, yet he pours it out for you. And can you imagine being that group of people where this is a completely new concept to you? I mean, we use this word all the time in church today, don't we? Grace. And with this concept of us coming around communion and accepting what Christ has done on the cross for us, I mean, we, we get used to that thought. Can you imagine this early church where this is completely foreign to them? And that this God, this Savior they've chosen to follow is not necessarily calling on them for anything, not to bring anything to the equation, but just to receive it all. And so let's start reading from uh, chapter 2, verse 4. It's titled, Living Stones in God's House. For you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Say cornerstone. Good. I'm just making sure you're with me this morning. He is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. He is the living cornerstone. We don't use that word much any, anymore. If they come out on our block of land and put a peg in the ground to say, this is the corner of your house. And as much as the ground preparation we did after that, we protected that spot because that was our corner. And that was going to tell us where everything else went in relation to that corner. You hear me? It says that Christ is our living cornerstone. You know, that first large stone that would have been put in place in a stone building, which, which suggests the wall is going that way and a wall is going that way. And they meet here at this cornerstone. It's not going to move it's going to be the, 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 the benchmark, the thing that everything else is measured from and to. And Jesus is our cornerstone. You get that? Let's read on. And you, the living stones. So he's writing to the people now. If Christ is the living cornerstone, you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Now remember, this was a people without a temple. This was a people without any significant structure to their belief system. It says that God is building you as living stones into a building, his spiritual 
temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. What? We didn't sign up for that. No, no, you are his spiritual temple and you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual spiritual sacrifices. I mean, they're used to bringing physical sacrifices. But here's God is speaking to people without a temple. He's saying, no, you're the temple. Without priests and leaders at this stage. No, he said, you're the, you're the priest, by the way. And without, we don't even know, we don't even have a gift or these offerings of animals or anything to bring. He said, no, forget that. You guys are the offering as well. What a revelation. What a revolution. The scriptures, uh, just as the scriptures say, one who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You are his living, I'm going to pause there. You have his living stones. His living stones. I want to think about this concept for a moment, the living stones. We can get our head around a, a stone that doesn't move, that has a position in a building that is plonked in place, maybe with some mortar, and it's stuck there, and it's there forever. We can understand that. But what kind of a temple would be built with living stones? What kind of a, a spiritual house would be built with living? It speaks to me about uh, God wanting to build a house, build a, a spiritual temple for himself out of humanity. You know? Out of real people with real issues, Maxie, who have ups and downs, who have flaws and issues in their world. Not to get you to a place where you are solid and that now you can be used by God. Now you've got a great theology. You've gone through your Bible college, Maxie. You've gone through all the training and you can now be put into a position that makes up the house of God. No, 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 no. He wants to take a living stone and put a living stone in position. What a crazy God. I mean, does he know what he's doing or what? Living stone. Now, I've got nothing against about being rock solid. I think we should be as rock solid as we can be. You know, he's not just calling for the living. He's calling for living stones he likes, the, he likes the concept and the mixture of someone being fully alive and fully relevant and fully, you know, emotional, fully human, but he also likes to use, he, he likes the concept of being rock solid as well, strong and secure. And this mixture of these two elements of, of, uh, of grace and of and of faith, but also of trust and security and putting it all together and building a living house for himself. It's pretty cool. But always referring back to our cornerstone. This is key. This is key. It says, through the mediation of Jesus... This is that mediation. Think of that word mediator, you know, somebody that's in between two parties, constantly trying to, you know, possibly that would sit on a throne and, and mediate for us. 
in the presence of their Father, God. And, you know, this, this sense that Jesus is always there with us and for us paints the picture to me in this living spiritual temple that he's trying to build of this connection back to the cornerstone. You know, you're not just placed out there in your position never to move again. But he's calling us to be proactive in the kingdom. He's calling us to, to be movers and shakers in the kingdom, to, to accomplish things. But all the, all the while being alive enough that we have to turn back and make sure, where am I in my connection with Christ? Where am I? Because he is my cornerstone. He is, he is in position that he's never going to move. It's, it's, this, it's the kingdom of God that is being established before you know, we enter into the heavenly places. But this, this, this thing he is building, this kingdom he is building, even out there and as crazy and as changing as it is. Who's been in church long enough to see some changes over the years? Yeah. As, you know, and there's going to be a heck of a lot more changes to come. Amen? And I didn't hear as many people saying amen then. I mean, there's going, to be, there's going to be continual change in the kingdom of God. I mean, you're not going to get the same seat every week. You're not going to have the same duty all the time. I mean, even think about this. Even your theology and your perception of things changes, you know? But it's okay because he's building a spiritual temple out of living stones, Ones that just keep referring back to their cornerstone, making sure they're okay. They're doing the right thing. They're going down the right path. It's all right. I know where my cornerstone is. I can. So that's why it's so important to have a quiet time with the Lord. That's why it's so important to have a bit of routine in your spiritual walk. You know, it's, it's a time when you can just check in with God. Yeah, I'm just, just making sure I'm doing the right thing. Just make sure I'm, making sure I'm going down the right path. I'm connected to my cornerstone. It's evident, your connection with the cornerstone in, in, in your daily life, in, in your humanity, in your stress levels. You know, do, do we refer back to Christ in those stressful times? You know, is he our mediator in those times? Do we turn back and go, hold on, let me just check. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. And we're okay, you know? In, in, our, in our stressful Times. How about in our struggles, you know, where we can't, you know? This is time we're supposed to check back with the cornerstone. And no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place. I'm, you know, and I'm going through some stuff, but I'm connected to the cornerstone. I'm connected to Christ. Amen? Let's read on. And he is the stone that makes people stumble. That's interesting. He is the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like... And I would say hallelujah, and I'd say hallelujah. That's the only thing they could recognize in my voice. We had two translators. I would say something, and then we would get spoken in... Silanese, I think they, they might not call it that. And then in Tamil, I mean, there's, there's two different, uh, you know, languages being spoken in this nation. So it was quite strange, and, and the room would get quite uh, quiet because people are concentrating on, on their own 
language and dialect. And, and then, so the only thing I could say to make sure we're all on well was hallelujah. And I'd say hallelujah. And I'm loving it. Hallelujah. There we go. Where'd we get to? Verse 8, verse 9. But you are not like that. You don't stumble over this rock. He's your cornerstone. You don't trip over him. Actually, he's your foundation. So you're not like that. For you are a chosen people. Hallelujah. You got it. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Come on. You are God's very own possession. Imagine, you know, you, you dream of building your own house, right? And you, you know the stuff you like and you just, ah, oh, I'd love to put that in my own house one day. If I ever get the chance to build my own house, I'm going to put that. And, you, and you, you know, you're choosing things throughout all your life, aren't you? To, to yeah, I love that. I love that style. I'd take that. I'd use that. God is building himself his own house. And he says he's choosing you. As his own possession. You think about a God that could choose anything and anyone. And he chooses you as his own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. This is the result. After he chooses you, the result of him choosing you is that you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Amen? Once you had no identity as a people. See, they, they're probably thinking that at the moment. They're thinking, once, man, we've got no identity now. You know, we can hardly read. We've got these scrolls, but we can't read very well. They're probably thinking, they're like, no, no, no. He's calling them a chosen people. He said, once you had no identity as people, but now you are God's people. Amen? I don't know if you can identify with this. Once you had nothing, but now you're God's. Once you had received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Amen. For you have been chosen by God personally. That should, that should set you up in life. That should, yeah. I remember playing sport when I was younger, and... Um, I was, I was quite good, let me just say. I was quite good at most sports. And, uh, and uh, I'd play basketball and cricket and hockey and, and a bunch of stuff. And at school, that's what we did at school, you know. You'd get to school early uh, so you could play, play cricket before the bell went. And uh, so we'd, young boys, you know, we'd get there to school an hour early, you know. I don't know how that happens. I can't get my girls to the bus on time in the morning. Like it's, you know, like it's 4 a.m. We're talking 9 o'clock. But anyway, we used to get to school early and we used to set up the bins. Remember those metal school bins with the handles on the side that would every now and then catch your leg and then kill? But uh, they were the bales, but they were the stumps. And we used to play body cricket, you know, so you didn't need a bat. You ever play that, Scott? Body cricket, so any part of your body was the, the bad. Anyway, we'd play cricket, and then lunchtime, we'd play basketball. We'd have this one basketball teacher that would, um, we'd all be sitting around the quad or outside the, the gym, hoping that the basketball teacher wanted to come and play on his lunch break, because it was his lunch break, and you had to be in there with the teacher. And so we're just sitting there, like, oh, we'd eat our food in about 10 seconds, and then just wait, is he coming, is he coming today? And every now and then, 
well, most days really, you'd see the, the, the staff room door open and all these kids are looking, who's coming out? Get out of the way. And, and you'd hear this ball, you'd hear the ball bounce once. Yeah, teacher's coming. Everyone run to the gym and come on, open this thing. And we'd play basketball all lunchtime, right? And recess was the same. And then after school, we'd be playing sport at one of the mates' homes. And I went, now, we used to play a lot of, I used to play a lot of team sport, and the way that you choose teams fairly at school was to have a cap, two captains and everyone else standing there, and I'd say, I'd have Joe, and, you know, and the best players got chose first, and most sports I was chosen in the, in the first couple of choices, and I, I loved that, until the, the year that we thought we'd have a go at soccer. I was no good at soccer. Good with my hands, hopeless with my feet. And, uh, I, but I got chosen first because I was good at most sports. But that only once did I get chosen first. <laughs> the next time we played soccer, I was a bit further down the food chain. And then towards the, uh, the end of that season, everyone knew I was hopeless at soccer. So I was part of the crowd. Remember, I guess at that point, I found myself in that stage of life for the first time and it hurt. I was crushed. <laughs> And to me, that sport was everything when I was young. To not be chosen was like, oh, you know, I'm not special. But Christ has chosen you. He's lined up every person in, in the earth, and he's chosen you. I'll have that one for my house. You know, I'll have that one. You come and live in my house. We'll show this world how great a temple we can build. I'll have that one. So full of grace. He's a good God. So, com- so full of grace and mercy, isn't he? I've got an hour of preaching here because they preach for an hour over there. <laughs> I'll try and wrap it up now. I started preaching and um, the air conditioning went off. And within about five minutes, we went from about 22 degrees to about maybe 36 degrees and wet. And I just started an hour-long message. You know, and if you want to finish early, that's fine, but they'll hand you back the microphone and say, no, no, keep going, keep going. And so an hour of sitting in a sauna. So you don't know how good you've got it. So those of you who are going, come on, wrap this thing up. You just sit there for a bit. We are referred to in this story as his own temple. We're referred to other things in the Bible too. We're referred to his body. His own body, that's quite special. Body of Christ. We're referred to in other parts of the Bible as his bride. And this, this passage is his temple. Whatever it is, it's, it should create in you a sense that we are special to him. Yeah? Solomon's temple, as beautiful as it was, as magnificent as it was, was not good enough for our God. He doesn't want something that we can create for him. He wants our hearts. He wants us with our flaws and our failures, 
and our successes. He wants it all. No other structure is worthy for his dwelling but us, our hearts. He took Simon, which means reed, Peter, Peter, rock. And that's the very guy who's writing this book at the moment to this early church. A man who knows what it's like to be a reed, but then knows what it's like to have a God who would single him out, chase him down, change his identity, and call him a rock. And who would be the one who would have a revelation of Christ so clear that he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Man, this is the same God that Simon Peter knew, as we know today. So let's thank God. Let's honor him for his choices. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to read one last time that last verse, and it should create in you such, such joy and such What's the word? Thanks and gratitude that you can just close your eyes now and even forget what I'm saying and just get lost in His presence if you like. It says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Hey, with everyone's eyes closed right now, If you don't feel like you have ever received God's mercy, you're feeling something quite special right now, but prior to this moment, you will never have felt that God would have ever singled you out and chosen you to be part of his family. But you're feeling something a little special right now. Let me suggest that God's presence in this room with his finger pointing right at you saying, I choose you. And let me know. I want to know who he's pointing at this morning. And I'll join you and we'll come to him and be part of his spiritual temple. Is there anyone here this morning? Okay. No problem. Then we are all living stones in the house of God. Lord, we are so thankful that you chose us. Right now, we can probably think of a dozen reasons why you shouldn't have chosen us. But you did. Right now, we can probably think of a couple of issues that come to mind that we're probably hiding from you because we don't want it to influence your choice of us or not. But God sees those who shank Him this morning. If you feel comfortable, Lift your hands. If you feel comfortable, just start to praise Him with your physical voice. Thank Him. We come to you with gratitude, Lord. Once we were a nobody going nowhere, and you chose us to have not only a great life in this life, but an everlasting life in your presence. We're so thankful, Lord. We're so grateful. You are so good. We want to worship you. We want to be a part of your house forever. We want to be a living stone connected to the cornerstone 
forever. Some of you are encouraged this morning that a certain thing you're going through in your life, you know you need to stop. Just check your cornerstone. Just check your position on that. Check what God would think of that. Let him be the mediator for you and say, now hold on, you're going a little off there. Come on back in line. You're part of my spiritual temple. Come back in in line there. Let's be glorious together. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Holy Spirit, help us in these thoughts right now, in these decisions we're making deep down in our soul, that you would help us during the week to stay true, stay strong, stay connected to you. We thank you for being here with us this morning. We look forward to gathering again next week. You are so good to us. Amen. Amen. Will you go and have a great week? We've got tea and coffee outside. If you're not in a hurry, just stick around as long as you like. As you heard from Cass, there's a lot of things coming up this week. Get all as many as you can or feel like you'd like to. Be blessed. We'll see you next Sunday.